Welcome to Silicon Slopes Live. My name is Clint Betts. How is everyone? Two days in a row. We've got a little streak here with a Cal Ripken Jr. of shows. Uh, we are rolling. We're back. We're re- I feel better today than I felt yesterday. For those curious about my health. Oh, that's good. I feel even better today than yesterday. You got some good news today. I got good news today. I don't have liver cancer, which is what I've been worried about for the past month and a half. It's a real concern when you're worried about that. And you, have you ever Googled liver cancer? Yeah, it's scary. Oh my gosh. So crazy. I, that's all I've been doing. Anyway, I don't have liver cancer, at least not yet. I'm sure I will at some point. Uh, welcome to the show. We have Garrett Clark, Managing Director, President, person who runs Silicon Slopes. I don't know what we call you. He's here. How are you, my friend? Good. Glad to have you back. Glad you don't have the cancer. I don't have it, at least not yet. I will die, though, eventually. At some point in my life, I will. I mean, there will be a final day. Um, The same for you. So, you know, we will both die. Yeah. Just, uh, anyway, started off on a happy note. (laughs) That's something that will happen. Uh, Okay, uh, Tom Brady, the almost overwhelming, if not consensus entirely consensus goat greatest of all time in nearly everyone's eyes uh today announced officially that he'd retired adam schefter who's like the woes of the nfl who knows everything he's actually he actually already broke this news um that tom brady was retiring and uh, tom brady officially said it this morning that it is over he's officially retired he was going to spend time with his family and you know what like why not what else? Like, going to win eight? He's won seven uh, championships. How many MVPs has he won? A few of those. Uh, he'll probably be runner-up to uh, MVP this year's MVP. It sounds. It looks like Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP uh, this year, but I think he's going to be the runner-up. I think It seems like Tom Brady's going to be the second there. Um, he's won three MVPs, uh, which is that actually seems low. Yeah, 2007, 2010, and 2017. Um, yeah, so what's your reaction to that, Garrett? Good for him, and it actually is kind of sad if you like uh, watching football and uh, if you're kind of older, I'm sure it was inspirational, but it kind of sucks because he probably had several more years of tread on the tires, and uh, it'll be weird. It'll well, he weird. certainly wasn't bad. No. Like, it's not like he was Roethlisberger or, you know, some of these other ones who who retired who were bad. Like, he was still very, very, very good. He wasn't the best in the league. Um, But he was still very, very good. And they almost came back and won that Rams game. Yeah. That was crazy. That would be so crazy if they would have done that. Um. So, yeah, good for him. Tom Brady, the greatest of all time in everyone's eyes except for Chris Rawls. <laughs> I think Chris thinks uh, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest of all time. Uh, but I know. He also thinks LeBron's the greatest of all time. He's wrong <laughs> about most of the GOAT stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, Tom Brady, he's retired. He no longer plays in the NFL. And that's the big news uh, nationally. Now let's talk uh, local news. 
uh, there was a Salt Lake Tribune story earlier today, I believe this morning, that came out that said Evan McMullen had outraised incumbent Republican Senator Mike Lee during the last three months of 2021, according to the latest financial disclosure reports. But Lee, who was first elected to the Senate in 2010, has much more campaign cash on hand. This is from the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, They say in his first fundraising report, Since launching his run for United States Senate as an independent candidate, McMullen tallied $1,032,983 in donations. Lee reported $523,142, but Lee has more than $2.16 million in cash reserves to McMullen's seven, a little over $700,000. I'm not going to say the exact thing. (laughs) You can read them there if you want it. Uh, What do you think of that, Garrett? Yeah, like we mentioned before, kudos to them and any other person running for office. Uh, that's a lot of money, seems like. So kudos to their team for, for doing that. But obviously, kudos to the Senator Lee team for having a big war chest. And uh, I think any sitting senator, congressman, president has a little bit of a disadvantage, right? They have a day job that's fairly intense. And then they have to do all of this. Um, but the challengers kind of only have to focus on fundraising and shaking hands and kissing babies. But it looks like there will be a little bit of a scrap. I don't think so. I don't think Evan McMullen can win. I don't, I mean, and I bet most of this money, I don't know this. I didn't read the story and this is entirely speculation. So don't take this as fact. I bet most of this money is from outside of the state of Utah. Uh, like, I don't think he's probably getting tons of donations within the state of Utah. We need to remember something about Evan McMullen. I, I've met him when he ran for president. I, I think I've said this before, when he ran for president of the United States in like three states, uh, the big media stop for him was the Beehive Startups podcast in Provo. That was the big stop. Like, that was a big deal for his campaign to try to get that beehive startups boost, and I'm the one who interviewed him. I, I, It was so easy to get him and his running mate, both of them, that uh, I believe her name was Mindy, to the show. Uh, and uh, he seems like a nice enough guy. Uh, he's probably most known for his tweets. Like, he's really anti-Trump and um, the, the, those types of things. That's kind of what he's known for. Uh, I don't think Evan McMullen can win. I, I really don't. He reminds me actually a lot of what's that crazy, the Lincoln project. Do you guys know anything about the Lincoln project? It's like these former Republicans who are basically like, they always campaign for Democrats now. Um, and, and it kind of seems like a scam. I'm not saying that Evan McMullen is scamming uh, people. He's obviously running, but Evan McMullen had tons of debt too. Uh, what he ran for president that he didn't pay off. Um, according to news reports, I should say it's alleged. I don't know that for sure. I just don't think, and I think Senator Mike Lee in the base of the Republican party, which will decide this election because the majority of Utahns are Republican. Um, I don't think he's unpopular. I actually think Mitt randomly, uh, would probably have a harder time getting reelected now than Mike Lee, just given the current political state of things. What do you think, Garrett? I would agree with that. Um, you know, we're neither one of us are 
Get yeah, who knows anything? I, I mean, I literally know nothing about politics. Evan McMullen could win by a landslide, but it doesn't seem like I don't know. Like I'm in Utah, right? And I'm in the conversations or whatever you'd say, the zeitgeist at least, um, to some degree. I never hear anyone talking about Evan McMullen. Yeah, me either. And uh, the cool thing is, you can actually put your money where your mouth is, and um, I would imagine the smart money is still on Senator Lee. Well, he's just like, he's not, whatever you think of him, I don't think he's super unpopular with the, ba- particularly with the base of the Republican Party, which decides elections. And I don't think that that base is going to go for Evan McMullen. I don't think they're going to be like, ah, he's like, say the thing is like, he, Mike Lee's not far right enough or he's, he's too moderate or whatever the thing is. Right. Um, I don't think there's like, okay, so now let's go to Evan McMullen. I think if you were going to pick off Lee, you'd have to do it in the Republican Party somehow with like Becky Edwards or Ali Isom. But Becky Edwards reported a uh, 168,272 in donations, has a little over 500 grand in campaign cash on hand. Ali Isom, a little over 100K in donations and has 240K, a little bit above that on hand. And those are the two people who were actually running in the primary against him. I don't know that an independent can win. We need to remember in 2016, McMullen did this. He ran as an independent for president. So he's done a statewide election in Utah and he lost to Hillary Clinton. He took third and there were only three people running for president uh, in the state of Utah. Evan McMullen took third, Hillary Clinton, and then Donald Trump won um, the state of Utah in 2016. Uh, I don't know that this. I just don't know what his who is what his base is or who he is. We should have him on though, Kelly. Let's let's book him and, and see if and we'll obviously have the senator on as well. Senator's done a lot of great things for Silicon Slopes. Um, I don't know that that means anything to the rest of Utah, but it means a lot to us, uh, and and I think it means a lot for 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 Utah. But um, we obviously don't endorse candidates. We can't endorse candidates, um, even if we wanted to. But. Uh, I don't see anyone beating him currently, Mike Lee, unless there's some thing we don't know about, right? Yeah. I don't know. Not like we're political scientists. No, we're technically not political scientists, but kudos to Evan and his team for picking a tough track to sled on. You got to give him the the credit to have the, the moxie to yeah, do it. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's anyone who's willing to get in that arena, you have to give him some props, Right. And he obviously thinks he can win or thinks something because he's out there doing it and he's raised a lot of money. Um, So let's get Evan McMullen on. We'll get Evan McMullen. We'll get the senator on. We'll talk to him about why they're running um, and why they should uh, win the race. Okay, finally, uh, another national story, Garrett. And and I know that you're a former military man. And so, uh, you know, what were you, a general? Something, four-star or three-star, something like that. (laughs) Um, and so uh, your opinion here actually does matter. You're not a political scientist, but you were a military man. Uh, we may be going to war with Russia. Um, there, there's tons of reports out. There's things going on with Ukraine. Vladimir Putin, who you can see there, just looking ripped, kind of. Why does everybody say he looks ripped? He doesn't look like super ripped. But yeah, I guess he is. He's ripped for his age, and he's got that sweet fish that he's caught. That's a nice fish. <laughs> That's our number one enemy right there on the screen, <laughs> supposedly. 
How crazy is that? Just a nice day out on the lake. So Putin, who seems to be a full-time fisherman, according to this picture, <laughs> is preparing war against uh, Ukraine, according to media reports. But you, you, there was a report like uh, that the Ukraine president uh, didn't have a good call with our president, Joe Biden, and the Ukraine president said, like, nah, nothing's changed since a year ago. I don't know why you guys are saying like it's worse or we're about to be um, going to war with Russia or, or it, it was kind of like, why are you guys provoking this and pushing it towards this goal? Um, if, if I read that correctly, but uh, what do you think about all this? Garrett? It's interesting times and it's interesting from a, you know, a world perspective, but uh, you know, this is kind of a little bit before our time on this earth of uh Cold War saber rattling. And uh, for the last 20 years, it's been, you know, asymmetrical war on terror or, you know, non-official armies. And that's a lot of special ops and intelligence work. And uh, before that, you know, tanks and heavy armor and big movements were kind of the flavor of the century. And it looks like it might switch back a little bit. Um, it's interesting for a lot of reasons, you know, ultimately it's a bad deal once uh, the bombs start flying and uh, bullets start going off. Uh, but uh, from an economic perspective, like it just ripples so quickly across the entire world. It's interesting to watch, you know, you've got commodity prices and you've got stock market being impacted. And obviously people at the State Department and the DOD and CIA are, have been on high alert for a couple of weeks. I'm sure they're enjoying uh dusting off some old uh manuals and and ways to do it but uh i wouldn't want to cross sabers with uh putin you know he's pretty determined and pretty smart and pretty cagey um but the ukraine uh obviously is not gonna uh go out without a, a big fight um hopefully for that part of the world it doesn't happen but uh with all those troops mustered and uh all that firepower there it'll be interesting to see how it's resolved I guess if you wanted to, they'd have to be very severe sanctions, but I don't think uh, the Russians are easily intimidated. So I don't know what cards. I don't know either. And I don't think, um, obviously we don't know everything that's going on, um, but it, it, this, this will have economic ramifications. Uh, we're already like in an insane inflation that we haven't seen in decades. Um, and we have a very unpopular president. One of the most, I mean, just just uh, one of the most unpopular presidents ever uh, at this stage in in his presidency. Um, the last guy wasn't super popular either, but the, but the, this guy's about the same level, if not even less. If not, yeah, I think he might even be less popular. Or it's it's close. So we don't have a leader that can convince the country that we should go to war. I don't think. Right, like who's following Joe Biden in the war currently? I don't think that's happening. Yeah, and this is a uh, this is a real one, right? Like that's a that's a mechanized army, and they've got you know supply chain, and it's right next to uh, all of their key strategic bases. So it would be an actual uh, you know war. It wouldn't be uh, kind of a shadow operation like the last twenty years. So. Yeah, and they just screwed up the getting out of Afghanistan so horribly, like this same crew that I don't see how 
the American people are going to trust this crew. I could be wrong, but to defend Ukraine, right? Or like, I'm not even sure what the, the I think that the dispute is, hey, uh, we never want Ukraine to be in NATO. And NATO is saying, uh, we're not going to make that promise, but we can promise you they're not going to be in it for a while. Um, so beyond that, I don't really know what we're fighting over even like that. That's another challenge that the United States would have if they were trying to drum up support. It's like, what are we fighting for? And, uh, if, if we're fighting for this, why aren't we at war with China already over what they're doing with the Uyghurs? And you just have to look around the world and, and, um, the whole world is dangerous and doing, doing crazy things. It doesn't, it's, it's odd how we pick and choose, I guess, but I know nothing about this. You're a military man. Well, yeah, you can always boil it down after the fact on some simplistic things, um, but hindsight's 2020, but one of the factors this go around is, uh, just being warm in the winter, right. With natural gas and, uh, Europe's, uh, a lot of Europe's dependent on natural gas from Russia. So the brinksmanship and uh, negotiations will be interesting to watch. But um, if push comes to shove, you've, you've got your allies and you just have to kind of de- decide on how big you'll go, whether it's, you know, some special forces teams in there just uh, helping a little bit. But I don't see a huge mobilized deployment. I think we uh, give them weapons and some advice and sanction them on the back end, but uh, I'd kind of be shocked if there was a big troop movement from America, at least. Yeah, I think I think my only take on this story is we have such a dearth of leadership in this country. Like no one, we don't have anyone who can go on TV and explain this in a way that would be like, all right, I trust this person and I believe in this person. And I think uh, they've come up with a really great strategy as to why this matters to Americans and why we should be involved. I, that, I don't think that person exists today. Like, like uh, people forget this because he ended his presidency super unpopular, but George W. Bush, um, when he said like, hey, let's go to war in Iraq, let's go to war in Afghanistan. And obviously this is number one, hindsight is 2020, because I think the majority of Americans now think both of those things were a mistake. But he had, he was, oh, he was like 80% approval rating, maybe even 90%. Appro- he was unbelievably popular and had, um, Demo- I mean, Hillary Clinton voted to go to war. Uh, Joe Biden, our current president, voted to go to war. I mean, it was unanimous for the most part. There were voices like Bernie Sanders and others who voted against it, but they were few and far between. Um, and so we don't have that. We don't have consensus in this country right currently no no not at all yeah those were uh those were some heady days where everyone was rowing in the same direction and it lasted for quite a while you know it wasn't just like two or three weeks it lasted for a while but you're correct and i i would agree with you that that does not exist currently and it won't regarding ukraine i think people forget how popular bush was when he went out and threw that first pitch in the Yankees Mets game, I don't think you could have found too many Americans who weren't pumped that he was the president. Like that was that like that's gotta be like an all time high in terms of approval rating. Now he ended super low. And again, like all of these things, hindsight twenty twenty, um, I think the majority of Americans are like, hey, we probably shouldn't have done any of that. But uh he was super popular. I think you need a really popular president 
and leader and somebody with some credibility in order to take these things on. And we just don't have that. We don't have it on either side, to be honest with you. Uh, there's nobody like if Trump came out and said it, I don't think the American people would be excited either. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Pretty interesting. I, I think the story here is lack of leadership. And it seems like Russia is like completely coalesced around Putin. Which is a little bit easier to do when you're a dictator, but that's a different story for a different day. All right, uh, anything else, Garrett? Tell us, uh, tell us who you've interviewed recently, because I know we're going to talk to Alan Matheson, who runs the Point of uh, the Mountain Commission here in a second. You interviewed him recently at Silicon Slopes headquarters. Um, why don't you set that up for us, and also tell us who else you've interviewed and where people can find those. Yeah, um, it's a cool, fun part of what we do at Silicon Slopes with this uh, telling stories. <clears throat> On the podcast recently, we've had um, uh, we've had Alan Matheson, which you know we'll go into more detail. We've had Hans Robertson, who's the co-founder of Verkata. They do really cool um, like physical security products. Uh, we talked with uh, Chad Bracklesberg from the Utah Avalanche Center. At a really opportune time, we've talked with Scott Paul about crypto and Bitcoin and Web3 with Giddy. Um, had a good, you know, seed stage podcast with Database. And then a, a good conversation with Alan Matheson, who's going to run one of the most unique real estate projects in the world, and it will be for quite some time, which is the redevelopment of the Point of the Mountain, where the prison currently is. So uh, I don't envy him. And hurting all those kittens with mittens. <laughs> Everyone's got an opinion on it. Uh, this is what it looks like when you don't get your way. Uh, I wanted it to be turned into a big duck hunting pond and reserve, and uh, that's not going to happen. Um, so he's going to have to- That would be so cool if that's what happened. Yeah, he's going to have to appease a lot of different people, and there's going to be a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but it's really cool. It'll be fun to watch. You know, Even if you have zero interest in any of it, it'll be fun to watch the whole thing get built and behind the scenes, it's going to be uh, quite the project. So it was fun to have him and uh, it's been fun to be a part of that. Um, we're on a couple of committees and we help out where we can on sharing what our community thinks would be good for that development. But uh, it's a big, big deal. And big you can deal. watch the full interview at siliconslopes.tv. You can watch all of the interviews that we just mentioned at siliconslopes.tv. You can listen to all of the interviews wherever you get podcasts. Make sure you check them out. Just the Silicon Slopes podcast. Uh, if you want to search for those, uh, and again, siliconslopes.tv, make sure you sign up for that. It's free and you can watch whatever you want. Uh, all right. Here is our very own Garrett Clark with Alan Matheson. I don't envy your job, um, because, uh, everyone's got an idea on how to, uh, develop this. Right. And, um, we're, we've been involved in it in various forms since kind of the beginning and then informally people might assume we were in, involved in it but conversations come up constantly of um there should be a convention center there should be and the reality is most of the ideas are very good because i think people selfishly want something um whether it's they want vivant to move down so the jazz play in the middle of the valley instead of downtown salt lake anyways it's fun to listen to all the ideas that's the easy part um, but you guys with the committee and the board and the working groups have to actually do the work, listen to it all. There's gonna be people that miss out, some that get what they want. 
what frameworks did you guys put in place to make this accessible to all as far as ideas and projects and having a voice at the table? You know, that's been critical, and I think, number one, I don't trust myself to do this right. So getting a lot of good input is going to be really critical. This really concept started many, many years ago, but from about 2016 to 2018, a group called the Point of the Mountain Development Commission conducted with Envision Utah a number of public processes to identify ideas and values for the Point of the Mountain region. And at the end of the day, they put together a report that had 10 or 12 guiding principles that they thought should help guide growth in that broader region. It's really interesting to note that the legislature took those guiding principles and put them verbatim into the statute that created the Point of the Mountain State Land Authority. So our marching orders come directly from public input, and it's things like job creation, workforce development, improving air quality, reducing resource use, having world-class transit, uh, focusing on quality of life, pursuing a nationally recognized research center, and, and uh, things of that nature. So when we got the torch to take this forward, we recognized that public input wasn't done. So we created a stakeholder advisory group that represents various portions of our community. And we created five working groups, really uh, groups of experts in our state, to help us think through things like land use and transportation, innovation, uh, education, economic development, investment, uh, and more. And we actually went to Silicon Slopes and said, we need your help. We want some folks that can represent your community, that can bring uh, a focus on not just high tech, but economic development, business, creative thinkers, people that care about the future of our state, and want them to be part of the, the group. And so in total, we had you know, over 80 uh, individuals on those working groups. And they identified a number of kind of planning pillars that we should pursue. Uh, we've over the last year had over 10,000 Utah residents participate in one way or another in uh, providing input to the site. And yes, not all, all ideas are the same, but I think at the end of the day, while we certainly can't guarantee everybody will be happy, I think we can say uh, really honestly and sincerely that we know the priorities that people have and we're doing our very best to meet those priorities. And all of those planning principles were submitted to our planning team and provided the, the raw materials for them to translate values and concepts into to an actual on-the-ground plan. Oh, check out the full interview at siliconslopes.tv. Garrett's a wonderful interviewer, very laid back, nice and easy. He's not going to put you on your toes. At least not in the first few questions. He's like a boxer. He's like, I'm going to set him up. Uh, everyone check it out. SiliconSlopes.tv. Again, you can listen to the podcast too. Anywhere you get podcasts, just type in Silicon Slopes. Do that. That's it for today. Make sure you check out HallofFame.SiliconSlopes.com. We're announcing who we're inducting into the Hall of Fame. I believe this week. It's very exciting. Signing off for Garrett Clark, Kelly Jensen, and Weston Tanner. My name is Clint Betts, and this has been another episode of Silicon Slopes Live. <laughs>